fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 34. We've got a lot of news that kind of developed over the past day or two. We were kind of, we already had a lot of news topics, but we've got even more. It's going to be a very news-packed episode, but also we've got a great discussion coming up of the best slash our favorite action movies, like straight-up action, yeah, action movies. Action. But first, before we get to that, Josh, how you doing tonight? I'm hanging in there, man. It's It's been a week. Uh, Houston has been hit, like, real hard lately as far as rain goes, and so we've all been kind of dealing with that, and the past few weeks have been a little rough, but we're starting to be on the up and up, man. Well, that's good. Yeah, it's been really raining on my end here, too. The past two days, I've checked out uh, the window on my lunch break, and it's just nighttime, and it's terrifying. It really is. Well, speaking of terrifying, our first news topic of the day is the It Chapter 2 trailer. Now, this dropped last Thursday, so a little after last week's episode, but we're talking about it now, and I'll be honest. I really like this trailer. Um, I didn't know if I would or not, primarily because while I like um, the story of It and I like the original, um, was it 1990 miniseries, uh, I think the first half of the story is significantly stronger than the second half. So I don't really know yeah. what I was expecting. I think the story is more interesting when they're kids. It's more engaging when they're kids. That being said, I'm so seeing this movie. This looks fantastic. Oh, it it really does, and I think the the strength of the trailer is the audience knowing that it's it, and Beverly just not not catching on. So we're yes. all waiting for him to reveal himself or to do something weird or what have you, and he finally does. Oh man, great stuff! And the stuff that's that that's happening in the background is it just oh man, it's a great trailer. That I'm really on board with Jessica Chastain as Beverly. She seems like pitch perfect casting. That was like the one character everyone was like, yep, it needs to be Jessica Chastain. And everyone was like fan casting. And sure enough, we've got her as Bev. And I love that trailer. But especially like when she's talking to the old lady and she's like, everything dies in dairy eventually. And everything just stops. And it's so uncomfortable it's great you got that close-up shot of the old lady music just cuts out and they linger on it really making you feel uncomfortable most other trailers they'd cut it for time they really draw this uncomfortable silence out and i love that well and something that i i really like about that moment is um it really harkens back to the first trailer which the first trailer for the first one was the interaction between Georgie and it in the sewer. And there's a few moments in that trailer when it, as Pennywise does things that are just a little bit off and it instantly, instantly you, you catch on. Okay. There's something much darker here. So they do it again with this old. And uh, I remember reading something about it, uh, about when they did it in the first movie, of them talking about how the fact that 
it is literally just pretending to be these humans. He doesn't understand how they actually interact. And so he just kind of pretends and figures it out as he goes. And so then whenever weird things happen and those uncomfortable silences that happen, like in this trailer, they're literally just it, like not knowing quite what to do as a human. And so he's, he falls back on what's him and what he is in this odd, scary being. And just, he, yeah, it's just super interesting. And it's the little details for me that really make this trailer. There's a couple parts that I unintentionally laughed at. Um, and I'm sure I wasn't supposed to be. I was supposed to be creeped out, but I actually was kind of laughing because I was thinking of other things. Um, so you, there's a shot in the trailer where um, she's like looking at all the old pictures at the old lady's house. And she sees a picture of what I'm assuming is it years ago as a dude next to somebody else. Is it just me or does it in that picture look like a young Michael Keaton? A young Michael who? A young Michael Keaton, a young Batman. Oh, dude. I'm like, that's not it. That's Michael Keaton. I hate you for making me think that now. Like, go back and watch oh, the trailer. Man. When they show the picture, it's Michael Keaton. Oh, why would you make me think that? <sighs> but then also, um, the last of the parts in the trailer with the old lady, like you see like a shot of the... <laughs> Clearly, the naked grandma running towards her from, like, you just see the bottom of her legs. I wasn't thinking scary. I was thinking that scene from The Visit with the sleepwalking. Stop. Oh, my God. I think my favorite thing right now that's coming, besides the tra- actual trailer itself, is the memes that are coming oh, from the trailer. Oh, you know it. Oh, like, so the scene where Beverly's looking at the wall and we see the, the naked grandma, like, <laughs> When you forget your towel. Yeah, I've seen when you forget your towel, when your drunk friend doesn't know what he's doing, and you can you you don't pay attention for the, to them for like five seconds. <laughs> it's just yeah, they've been fantastic. But is it just me or does um, James McAvoy look so much older than everyone else? Like I guess well, I'm just kind of used to seeing him as Professor X, but he looks so much older. I think with the gray hair that they've given him. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's almost. With the story, I think they're going to be telling. It, here is is James's character is he he's because that's Georgie's brother, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So he's 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 going to be taking this hard, harder than everybody else. And honestly, just because you defeated it doesn't mean that the loss of George Georgie to that to that creature isn't going to still affect him. Yeah. Um. I like that they show some quick teases of them all getting together at the Chinese restaurant before everything goes sideways. I'm really looking forward to seeing what that scene is going to be like for a more modern movie. In general, I'm I'm looking forward to the final battle. Yeah, and seeing I if he actually turns into a giant tarantula. Like. I mean, they could... <laughs> I don't but think they're they, going to introduce the magical turtle in this one. They, yeah, I, mm, it would, it would definitely come from nowhere if they did, because even in the first one, they never really define what it is. Well, they so, at least I mean, had a reference to the turtle. Uh, there's a scene where Bill picks up a Lego turtle. That's fair, but like, that's it. Yeah. There's and no, there's that no makes no sense. Like, I don't want the solution to be, how do we defeat it? Um, 
it. We take drugs and we have a special meeting with a cosmic turtle. Doesn't really work for a movie. I mean, don't get me wrong. That's not going to stop them from trying. <laughs> Stephen King's done dumber stuff. Um, I I enjoyed this trailer. It gets me hyped for this movie. I was starting to get nervous because we hadn't gotten a trailer. Um, I love all the cast that we've gotten. Um, I love Bill Hader as Richie. It looks spot on. I'm just excited to see what we get for this. Like you said, uh, I'm really excited to see the final battle, see how they do it this time around. Um, yeah, I think they can really pull off some truly terrifying things, and I'm looking forward to that. I greatly enjoyed the first It. Now it's now it's not going to be a surprise anymore. Now there's going to be some serious expectations, so let's see if they can deliver for part two. Absolutely. Now, something I don't know if it has expectations on it or not, um, given the series that it's attached to, I'd imagine it's got pretty high standards, um, but... HBO just released its first teaser trailer for its upcoming Watchmen TV series, which is set after the events of the comic and the movie. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. Because that was going to be my first question because I hadn't seen anything about when it was set. And given the trailer, I could tell it wasn't the comic or the movie. Yes, it takes place after the ending of the comic and the movie, which, spoiler alert, um, Rorschach more or less reveals to the world the whole grand plan, and now we have this. Yes. So, what I'm curious, actually, before I go, what did you think of the trailer? Confusing, but intriguing. Yes. I'm with you. There's Some it was striking confusing. visuals. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think this could be HBO's next big show. I think it has the potential for it. Um, it definitely feels like it's got a political intrigue level to it. Which, then, if people start know. complaining about Watchmen being too political, or it wasn't political before... Oh, bro, shut up. Just yeah, I was, you can't complain about Watchmen being political. You're really... The whole movie's about it. The whole... Yeah, it's revolutionary in its storytelling in how on-the-nose political it is for a comic book of its time. Oh, absolutely. Now, granted, that being said, I don't think the original movie is as good as people make it out to be, but I, it's, I think it's my favorite Zack Snyder superhero movie. Yeah, but that's put up against what? Yeah. As a movie, <laughs> it can be a bit long, but I do quite enjoy Watchmen. It's, I agree, it's not nearly as great as some people herald it to be some... It, the funny thing is with Watchmen, people either say it's like, it's the best comic book movie ever, or it's awful and it's an embarrassment to the comic. I'm somewhere in the middle of it, just like, it's good. Too long. But this is this is the type of movie Zack Snyder should be making, not Superman and Batman. That being said, I'm curious about this show. The, the opening shot of all the, clearly Rorschach has like a cult now, of all those Rorschachs in the church, that is very unsettling and has some very unsettling illusions to it. Oh, absolutely. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, and spoiler alert here, doesn't Rorschach die at the end of Watchmen? Yes. So I'd so imagine um, these people are like, he was a martyr and they like follow what he stood for. Yeah, I, that, that, that's what I would think. But some of the ways that some of the stuff they're saying comes across doesn't necessarily 
fit into that vein. So we'll have to see, man. I don't know. It, if anything, it's intrigued me, and that's more than what they were doing before. So I'll give them points. Yeah, considering this, for how big of a name Watchmen is, it seems to have gone under the radar for a lot of people. So hopefully this brings attention to it. Um, something that I completely missed on my first viewing of the trailer is we get a shot of Ozymandias, played by Jeremy Irons in it. Really? Yeah, he's the dude with his um, sitting uh, cross-legged, meditating Hmm. on something. Oh, is this what uh, what Jeremy Irons was doing instead of uh, being Scar and Lion King? Yeah, I guess. (laughs) But saying Jeremy Irons is playing Ozymandias, that gets me interested. Very much so, just because Jeremy Irons is a great talent. He really is. So I'll be curious. Uh, I don't have HBO, but... I'll check out other people's opinions on this. If I seem it, if it seems good, I'll give it a chance. But as far as a teaser trailer goes, it gets me interested, and that's the whole point of a teaser trailer. So, job well done there, Watchmen. Yep. Now you know what I'm th- not interested in. Yeah, I think I know. <laughs> Our next story. <laughs> yeah, '90s so, kids, beware! You might get triggered. Here's the thing. All right, I mean. I think the Hollywood rule is if it's been eight years, it's free game. But this has been like 18 years. Oh, it's over a decade. So yeah, before we keep going, Josh, what are we talking about? We're talking about the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids reboot. Starring Olaf slash Josh Gad as the main character. Now here, before you go any further, Josh, I did some research as I do. Um, well, the vernacular one of being to. thrown around with this is super confusing. They're saying it's not a reboot and it's not a sequel. Yet it, uh, Josh Gad will be playing one of the children of Wayne Selinsky. So is it a continuation of Funny I Shrunk the Kids or not? In which case, it's not a reboot. It's a sequel. Wait. <laughs> what (laughs) yeah that's what i'm scratching my head about too is the i forget where i read it but supposedly josh gad is playing one of the selinsky kids okay i will the only way i will be on board with this movie but i don't think it'll happen because he left a long time ago the only way i would ever possibly be on board with the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids movie or sequel or reboot or whatever the heck they're deciding to call it is if they get Rick Moranis back. I have Rick Moranis has been yeah. retired for years now, ever since his wife passed away from cancer. He quit acting to take care of his kids. That is awesome. Proud of him for that. He is more or less the face of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. You can't do it without him, even if you're trying to pass the torch to Josh Gad, who I had, don't have any issues with in any sense, but if He's you say Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, and you tell me Rick Moranis isn't involved, I'm not interested. That's like saying we're making Spaceballs 2 without Lord Dark Helmet. Yeah. I just... I, here's the thing, man. 90s comedy needs to stay back there. As I, you know me, man, I love '90s comedy, but it doesn't work in today's plane. Yeah, so I got something to get off my chest. When I first saw this, I didn't really care, 
but I knew a lot of people would. For me personally, I knew of it, and I think I saw all of them at one point or another. But I haven't. I was never the biggest fan of Honey I Shrunk the Kids. It was just kind of there. I remember seeing more commercials for it in front of my Disney VHSs more than actually seeing the movie itself. Yeah. Like, did you act, did you grow up watching it a lot, or were you like um, me if you like you're more familiar with it, but you didn't watch it a ton? I think I watched the first one a few times, and that was it. Yeah, for I'm the life of me, besides what like the my- like actual shrink gun looks like, primarily because it was a prop on a Disney ride for a lot of years. Other than that, I don't know if I can recall any actual details about the movie. For some reason, I have Vince Vaughn in my head who's in it, and that's not that can't be right. That's yeah, I don't think Vince Vaughn was in that. Yeah, exactly. So that, but that should tell you how much I the actually dad remember from about Xenon, I think, was in it. Which Maybe? is a very 2000s thing to say. Exactly. So it's it's not something that's going to work. I don't know, ma'am. It, I would much rather see Josh Gad uh, as Penguin, which has also been rumored to be happening for quite a while. Interesting. He'd okay. be a good addition to the DC Cinematic Universe, which perfectly dovetails us into our next topic, The Suicide Squad. It feels like we talk about this movie every other week, but... Now we have some very interesting developments. Now, we already had more or less confirmed for us that Idris Elba would be in the film in some capacity, and we were already kind of speculating as to who he would be. Some people were saying he was going to be Deadshot, replacing Will Smith. That got shot down as not true. Then some people, ourselves included, were speculating that he could be playing Bronze Tiger, which would make a lot of sense. However, now the rumors are staying, stating that he's playing Deathstroke, which I am very conflicted on this news. Um, Josh, what are your thoughts on this? So, <laughs> yeah, it, it's been a whirlwind of information. Um, I, I am conflicted because I, a part of me wants... It just able to be someone else uh, in the in the DC universe, villain wise or other, uh, and just let Will Smith be keep being Deathstroke. However, no, Will Smith is Deadshot. Joe Manganiello oh, is oh, Deathstroke. Are you serious? Okay, I must have read I read the notes wrong then. Oh yeah, this is a much bigger deal than I thought it was. Yeah. Oh man. We already have a... Josh is freaking out, and as am I. We already have a Deathstroke in the DC Universe. The end credits of Justice League has um, Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor recruiting Joe Manganiello um, to be Deathstroke. And we see him in everything, in costume. And he looked fantastic. Even and the I voice think it would be great. a huge mistake to recast somebody before they even have a chance to show what they can do in the role. Even if it is Idris Elba. I, yeah, I, mm. Now, don't get me wrong. I love Idris Elba as an actor, and I'm super excited to see him in the DCEU, or whatever we're calling it these days. That being said, Deathstroke? Really? We already have somebody as Deathstroke. We don't really need to recast him already, and also, there's so many other characters you could go with. Yeah, I, mm. Uh, I just, it, 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 it's both a positive and a negative right now, I think. 
because right now it's obvious that, obvious that the DC universe is trying really hard to uproot what Zack Snyder, Snyder laid down and try to make something that is built for the future. Which I can, which is totally, you know, I'm down with that because so far what they're going with is it makes a lot of sense and they've gotten some good traction going. However, Joe was perfect. Like as far as look and everything, like that that looked like a Deathstroke ripped straight from the comics. Yeah, he looks so spot on. It's not even funny. Up until this point, my favorite Deathstroke was the one in Arrow. Uh, Manu Bennett was awesome and the best thing about Arrow. And then we saw Joe Manganiello look spot on for Deathstroke. And I was super excited to see uh, what he was going to bring to the table. The rumors for a while there that was he was going to be one of the main villains um, in the standalone Batman film. And those rumors have been around forever. I remember I made a fan-made trailer of Batman vs. Deathstroke, which you can still find on the YouTube channel. Uh, and that was years ago. So whether this puts the kibosh on those rumors that we're getting Joe Manganiello's Deathstroke in a Batman movie, now that Ben Affleck is officially gone as well, uh, yeah, I don't know what to make of this. And I love Idris Elba, but I don't know if this is necessarily the right choice here. I mean, I'm I'm down. Okay, so if we take Joe out of the picture... So let's say that was never a thing that happened. I'm if we if they just said Idris Elba is going to be Deathstroke, and that was our first you know impression, then yeah, I'm super down. Idris Elba is an incredible actor, an incredible action actor. Um, I have I have no problem with that. But Joe looked amazing, and from the little we got from him, I was super down. Yeah, I. I don't know what to make of this. I don't really know what to make of the Suicide Squad, whether it's a reboot, whether it's a sequel, in continuity or not. Um, however, there is some good news coming out of the Suicide Squad, as it seems like we may have somebody else added to the cast. This one, a bit more familiar, not only to James Gunn, but also to Marvel fans, as Michael Rooker, also known as Yondu, not only apparently is cast in the movie, he's been cast as King Shark which is a character we've actually been saying should be in a Suicide Squad movie for a while now. But another uh, Marvel character going over to a DC movie. So, my first thing, I love Michael Rooker. I love him as an actor. I think his Yondu was fantastic. Um, And obviously his character is dead, so he's free to do whatever he wants. Um... But is King Shark? I'd imagine this is going to be a very CGI-heavy character. But also, I read this more as James Gunn and Michael Rooker are really close friends. When James Gunn had all those allegations against him for different things, for all those tweets that he sent all those years ago, one of the very first people to come out and defend him was Michael Rooker. So, I think this, more than anything, just comes across as kind of a show of appreciation on James Gunn's part. Okay, I can. I'm on board. Yeah, I can see that. I still the the part of me that's apprehensive is <laughs> just look at Croc in the first Suicide Squad. Well, you're gonna have Killer a competent Croc. director do this one. 
No, I and, mean that's okay. That's, I'll backtrack on that. David Ayer is a very confident, is a very competent and great director. I loved Fury. It's one of the best Shia LaBeouf performances I've seen in a long time. But there's this heavy studio interference. I think this time James Gunn will be left to do what he does best. So I think he'll have a much I, better yeah, outing this that, time around. That that's definitely my my concern. Um, I think, and until I'm, until I, it's, everything's confirmed and we have a picture of him, uh, I, I will continue to be concerned. Um, because Killer Croc is an awesome villain. Um, I mean, he's B level at best, but he's got a great look and he's dangerous as all get out. But the Killer Croc we got looked like just the science for Somehow he got nominated for an Academy Award though. Really? The costume and makeup for Suicide Squad, yeah, for Killer Croc. Really? I don't know why, man. <laughs> you can barely tell what he is. Anyway, okay, whatever. He still looks um, better than the lizard from Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, I'll fight you on that one. But uh, I'm just bitter because the lizard from Amazing Spider-Man looks nothing like the lizard from the comics. Uh, he looks close. <laughs> no. He, he looks closer. He wears than the white lab coat looked. for literally a second. Get, okay, whatever. Fine. The whatever. jacket's Let's wrong. On, the right? snout no. is wrong. No, no. Okay, we're going to get in an argument here, and let's, so let's prevent that. Let's just you know move what? on. <laughs> you know what we need for this? Mortal Kombat. Yes. <laughs> I'll fight you to the death. Which is coming. So... The Mortal Kombat franchise has had its ups and its downs, mostly downs when it comes to cinematic outings. You had the so bad it's good Mortal Kombat, then you had the so bad it's bad Mortal Kombat Annihilation, and wasn't there like some straight to DVD ones with Michael Jai White or something? Uh, it wasn't straight to DVD, it was a web series. Um, uh, okay, something along those lines, yes. Yes. Uh, I did see, I watched like an episode or t- two of it and it was it wasn't too bad actually it's got to be better than the movies uh well we bring up mortal kombat because it seems to be now uh, that we're getting a new mortal kombat movie from james wan the guy behind aquaman uh one of the fast and furious movies i forget which one a uh, ton of successful horror franchises now it is very important to note he's just producing this he's not directing but he's just producing it and the film is actually going to start shooting later this uh year in australia I'm already thinking that this is going to be better than the previous Mortal Kombat, just because of who's attached to it, and it's hard to get worse than Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Uh, you're not wrong. Um, <laughs> the other thing, too, though, that I think it does have go it have going for it is James Wan, who's an incredible director and has proven that he can take properties that in the past have no respect. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And turned them into incredible epics. He's got quite a hot streak right now. It was it Fast Six or Fast Seven that he did that was super successful. Aquaman is super successful. Uh the two conjuring films that he's done, super successful. First Insidious, which he did. He's on a hot streak, man. So if he can bring his magic to Mortal Kombat and bring his I would love to see some of the uh, his horror mindset in play for Mortal Kombat. Yeah, no, I can see that. I, it's a, Mortal Kombat to me, at least personally, is a hard 
movie to adapt for a film considering it's a fighting game. It's like we jokingly said last week, uh, Super Smash Brothers movie. That'd be a really hard movie to pitch. And I've always thought Mortal Kombat has that hurdle to overcome as well. Yes. I will say, um, and this is really reaching, but um, have you ever seen the Tekken movie? There's a Tekken movie? I'll take that as a no. Um, <laughs> so, the, albeit it is a, not, it's not a good movie, but it's better than the Mortal Kombat movies. Uh, the big thing that they do, though, is that they weave the, ta- the, the tournament into the tapestry of the world. It's not like, oh, hey, we're a bunch of fighters. Let's fight. No, it's a, it's, it's a competition because all these corporate corporations own the planet. And whoever wins get a, gets a certain amount of extra money for for their whatever, you know, their little corporate stuff. So, like, and then your main character is someone who's an underdog, who is from the people's champ, blah, blah, blah. You know, story, story, story. But the big thing that they do is it's not, they're not just like what, they don't do what the original Mortal Kombat films do in that, hey, there's a tournament, people are going to fight in it, here we go. Like that's you can't you can't do that. We're not going to care about the characters if you don't give us some kind of story. Yeah, it's just how how is this going to work? That being said, we didn't think Groot and Rocket could actually work in a movie, and we see that all the time now. We're used to it. I think we're willing to make the leap if the story's good enough. I have faith in the people making this thus far, and. Who knows? It'll probably be better than the Sonic movie. Uh, that's not a probably. It'll definitely be better. Yeah, and I'm sure once we get close to this Mortal Kombat uh, movie, whenever that comes out, we'll do like a video game movies um, video at some point. Or not video, podcast episode. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm really starting to think that the movie that we're going to talk about for uh, the next news topic is cursed. I am really genuinely starting to think this. So the next Bond film, the 25th Bond film, that doesn't really have a name yet, it's just Bond 25, once again has a delay in its production. This time, it was something to happen on set. So thus far, let's recap why I think Bond 25 has been cursed. Okay, uh, it okay. had Danny Boyle originally attached to direct. He dropped out to do something else. Uh, we got a new director. Uh, Daniel Craig has been very vocal about not wanting to come back. Uh, they more or less had to beg and plead for him to come back for one more Bond movie. It was delayed for this, that, and the other reason. Now, they finally started filming. They were on set. They were actually filming a scene. And Daniel Craig breaks his foot or some form of an injury that production, not just delayed, production has been stopped. So apparently he was running on the beach in Jamaica like Bond does, and he did something to his foot, and the production has ceased. Not delayed, it has ceased for the time being. They can't really do anything. This movie, I'm I'm saying it now, this movie's cursed. Jeez, well, I mean, anytime you bring back an actor that doesn't necessarily want to do the role anymore... And is um, also, let's be fair, a little bit older by bond years yeah exactly and but they've been telling that story even in skyfall they were saying hey man like you're a little older now like so they're already telling that story 
but at the same time, like it is, it is, it does feel like it's cursed. And at, if I'm the crew, I got to be so discouraged of just like, all right, we finally got the ball rolling. We finally got some momentum and now we have to stop again. It's, it's, I like Daniel Craig's Bond. He's not my favorite. That'll always be Sean Connery. I always think Sean Connery will always be the best James Bond until Henry Cavill takes his spot. Um, but to me, at least personally, just because of how much I really did not like Spectre, I just kind of want to get this last Daniel Craig one out of the way so we can get a new Bond and get some fresh take to it. Because thus far, the Daniel Craig movies, he bats 500. Casino Royale, great. Quantum of Solace, to a lot of people, it's one of the worst Bond movies. Uh, Skyfall, the very first Bond movie we ever saw. I absolutely love that one. I think that's one of the best Bond movies they've ever made. Spectre, I hate Spectre. That movie was terrible. It was Skyfall, just not very good. So, Dindle Craig, while he's a good Bond, hasn't necessarily been in the best of Bond movies. So I kind of just want to be like, okay, yeah, Dindle Craig, move on to... Tomb Raider 3 or something. Well, I mean, there's... For Daniel, he... I can I feel him, man. Like, he's kind of gotten typecasted, and because of these movies, he, he really hasn't been able to go do anything else. Yeah. I've also not been a huge fan of the... I liked it in Skyfall, but then they keep going back to it, of, like, old man Bond, of... I want prime bond i want a young bond that's like top of his game and we haven't really gotten that with daniel craig yeah so i don't know it would be boring and i would love to see him in some other things i mean having daniel craig play someone actually play somebody in the star wars universe would be fun having him i don't know stormtrooper that's why i said actually play somebody um but have it, uh, crap, have him do, be a villain in uh, the, the new Indiana Jones film would be cool. Um, Dude. I know, right? That, I just pulled that right out of my butt. Like, that was cool. Um, he would be a part. This is going to sound awful, and I don't mean this, Daniel, but he would be a perfect Nazi. Yeah. No, Blonde he, hair, he blue just, eyes. He would exactly. be a perfect Nazi general. He, that's what I'm saying. He'd make a great... Again, that sounds awful, but I don't mean it like that. Yeah, no, he's... I, I get you, dude, and I'm sure he understands too, but... Because, <laughs> you know, we have, a cl- we have a close personal connection with uh, with Daniel Craig. Um, <laughs> I would love but, to see him as a as an Indiana Jones villain, or just a villain in general. That's... And so, like, I'm feeling this from his perspective, because he's kind of been stuck in this Bond world, like I mean, even Batista was in a was in a Bond film, but look he's how the much the best he's thing about it, that Bond movie, which is uh, Batista in general is becoming one of the best actors in Hollywood right now. So there's that. He literally um, only said one word, Inspector, and he was already the best thing about it. Exactly. But regardless, um, like I feel for the guy. Like you can only do so much as Bond, and you know after four four almost now five movies for him, like. Yeah, man. It's time to move on. Well, somebody that's not moving on is Blumhouse, as they are planning another Purge movie. Purge 5, coming summer 2020. I'll be the first to admit it. I'm excited. Oh, yeah. The last Purge was fantastic. 
The first purge? No, the which last is super one. confusing. Uh, the first purge is the la- most recent one that came out. But when you say the first purge, my first thought is the first one in the series. Yeah, no. So the most recent one, actually, I, I really enjoyed. See, so I think it's one. the weakest one. I wasn't as Whoa, big a fan no, of the no, most no, recent no. one. I'm sorry, I'm thinking of the wrong fi- the wrong one. I didn't see the first purge. I saw the yeah, one. Yeah, that's why I'm like that. the first purge as a title yeah. is super confusing. Yes, I'm sorry. That's not. I don't. I didn't really. It was good. It was a prequel, but, it wasn't, but it's not yeah. the main timeline. I like the no, main timeline purges. Dude, yes, and the 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 last, the most recent one in the main timeline is incredible. I think the second one is still my favorite, just because it's Frank Grillo on a revenge mission, and I love Frank Grillo, and they really um, utilized, I think, the concept the best in the second one. So, spoiler alert, if you for those of you who care, the third Purge film, and the reason why. Uh, the fourth one in the franchise, a.k.a. the first Purge, was a prequel, is because at the end of the third one, the government official lady that Frank Griller has been protecting uh, officially ends the Purge. The Purge is no longer a thing. However, not as many people were in favor of getting rid of the Purge as we as an audience were led to believe, so now there's riots in the streets of pro-Purge and anti-Purge, so it seems like there's going to be a whole new dynamic there. While we don't know when this is going to take place, whether it's a set between uh, Purge 4 or the original Purge film, so first Purge or the original, whether it's set between that, I honestly would much rather see it set after Purge 3 of what happens after the Purge is gone. How does society react after that? Well, yeah, and how how do you rebuild from years of killing? Like, how do you rebuild from that? Exactly. As a whole, I know people like to bash on the purge of just like, it takes itself way too seriously. It it doesn't. It, it knows what it is and it has fun doing it, but it also raises some serious questions at times that makes me think at times and shouldn't movies do that? Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, I think even from the first one on, the first, the first one was surprising because it did its job really well. Yeah, it was, you know, oh, man, there's this very unique political situation. Oh, man, there's people trying to break into the house. Oh, that's really scary. But, like, it does do that th- that thing that good movies do in that, oh, man, like, if this is what is going on, what's happening, you know, in the rest of the world? What's happening on the other side of the country? Where does, you know, what does the purge look like in elsewhere outside of our little movie here? And that's what the, you know, second and third one do very well is they do expand the world very well. Yes. Each with each film, they added on to the established lore of the universe more and more, which I really appreciated. So while they may not be always the most critically well-received films, I actually really enjoy the Purge franchise, and I'm actually really excited to see what direction we take a new film. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, isn't there a TV show coming out here soon? Uh, there was a season. I don't know if it was renewed for more seasons or not. It was like a limited okay. miniseries. Okay, that's what I thought. I haven't hadn't seen any. Yeah, seen I haven't seen it I haven't either. I just know it was on USA because I saw it all the time on Raw and SmackDown commercials. Yeah. Now, a sequel that I'm not really excited for, and I should preface this by saying this is just kind of a 
rumor and he may have been misquoted when he said it, but the director of the John Wick trilogy um, came out and said that the Wachowski siblings are working on a new Matrix, a Matrix sequel. Um, Now, his publicist came out and said that he was misquoted later, but this to me seemed more like damage control, and there might actually be a chance that the Wachowskis are working on a sequel. Now... Let us also say that the Wachowskis working on a sequel and someone greenlighting a sequel for them are two completely different things. Yes. Because the Wachowskis can say they're working on a Matrix sequel all they want. If I'm a studio exec, they're not getting a dime from me. No. Not at all. Because over the past few years, they've gambled big and they've lost big. I know you love Speed Racer, but that was a very expensive movie, and it lost oh, yeah. the studio a lot oh, yeah. of money. Um, you had that. You had the third Matrix, which was not well-received. You had Cloud Atlas, which was also very poorly received. But then you had the crown jewel of turds that was Jupiter Ascending. Bro. Not only was that poorly received by critics and audiences... It lost the studio a ton of money. With the Wachowskis, it's a matter of they've had huge swing and a miss after a huge swing and a miss financially. So any studio that wants to back them, they're going to have to be willing to gamble big. And honestly, I don't know if the Matrix, if the interest for Matrix is there anymore. I, I agree. Um, I do have questions, I guess, is. There, I was actually, was weirdly enough, talking two days ago with some of the guys I work with about what would happen after, you know, Matrix, what is the last one? Like Matrix Reloaded? Is that the last one? I don't remember. Uh, it's but, Matrix, Matrix Reloaded, Matrix Revolutions. Revolutions, there it is. Um, after Revolutions, uh, what, what, what the world would look like after all, you know, after Neo does all those things, what does, you know, what does that actually change? And actually seeing the the aftermath of that battle and what people, what life looks like now that the matrix is dead. So I, you know, I don't know, man, there's potential. I think if, if pitched right, I think the, there's an, the audience could be interested, but like you said, Wachowskis have let us down how many times recently in recent years? Quite a bit. Exactly. They're not exact. They're not the name in Hollywood, they used to be. They're almost kind of a laughing stock at this point. It's if you talk about directors that used to be big but aren't anymore. You got the Wachowskis. You got your Shyamalans. Those are like the real big punching bags nowadays. Yes, and you know, but hey, you know what? Uh, we never thought that M Night Shyamalan would make a good movie, and uh, then he had two, and then he fell right back into his old habits with um, I mean, I Glass. Agree. I, I agree, but. We never thought he could, and when we when you know Split was kind of announced, everyone was like, "Oh, okay." It's an the M-Night secret Shyamalan to Shyamalan's success. There are two things yes. that work in Shyamalan's favor to make good movies: low budget and no expectations. Exactly. And when he has exactly- a bigger budget, Avatar, um, not even Avatar, The Last Airbender. I mean, when he has uh, big budget and high expectations, Glass, The Last Airbender. That's when he crumbles. But when he has a movie like The Visit that no one knew was coming, wasn't expecting to be good, 
knocks it out of the park. Exactly. And you know what? Who am I to say that the Wachowskis can't come back, especially visiting back to going back to their roots and the really the thing that made them good in general, that really put their name on the map anyway. Um, If the story's good and if the story's there, sure, why not? Um, But, you know, like you said, I I, at this point, I highly doubt that that a studio would back it. Yeah, even if a studio backed it, I don't think I would be interested in seeing it. Even with Keanu, who is the subject of our discussion today, in honor of the John Wick trilogy capper, we'll see how the film shakes up with John Wick 3 Parabellum. We're going to be talking about the best slash our favorite action movies because we needed to have something action-related for John Wick 3. So before we get into the main discussion, Josh, you got a sponsor for us this week? Um, yeah, sure. Why not? Um, sponsor this week is Slim Chickens. I don't go there for the food. I go there for the collector's cups. Wait, what is this place? (laughs) It's a chicken place called Slim Chickens. Sure. Yeah, that that's the, yes, that is a play on the rule on the, on the the term, uh, Slim Pickens, but it's it's good. It's a southern thing. Most people don't get it. It's Do you know what Keynes is? Yeah, he's the mayor of Knox County. <sighs> anyway, no the restaurant. Sure. Ah, that's a that's a no. Never mind then. Hey, some of you know what I'm talking about, all right? That, that's all that matters. So John Wick is one of the best action franchises going nowadays, even if they're not financially successful. Correct. Which, it it actually blew my mind when I looked at the box office tallies of the first two movies. And they're not very high. But the thing is, they're not very expensive. No. (laughs) They're not. (laughs) So, I feel like if we're doing this in honor of John John Wick 3, we need to obviously start the conversation with the fantastic trilogy that is the John Wick trilogy. These movies... More action movies need to be like John Wick. I love these movies so much. Well, it, so the big theme that you're gonna, that we're going to kind of come across here is action movies have changed a lot over the years. And the way that John Wick is done from the way that it is shot to the way that the the scenes are set up to the way that the story is built is completely different from everything that that the modern shooter, modern action movie has done. Yeah, it's clear cinematography. You can clearly see what's happening. You can tell that it's Keanu Reeves doing his own stunts, doing these long takes, and I love the cinematography. I love the color palette. I think one of the best scenes in the whole series is the nightclub fight in the first John Wick just because the color palette, the cinematography that they use for it, it just looks amazing. Well, and it, the big thing is the, it's it's such a simple premise, the first movie. Yeah, the, you kill my dog, almost, I kill everyone. It's almost too simple. Like It feels like if you told somebody about that hadn't seen John Wick and been like, this is the story, it feels like it shouldn't work on paper. Like at all, but and then you also say, "Hey, it's a first-time director who used to be a stuntman." Exactly. There's that, 
And then you have and then you have Keanu, who hasn't and we love Keanu, but he hasn't exactly been known for his acting ability up yeah. until that. But yet he was born to be John Wick. He's fantastic in this role. He's so good. And you know, and you add in that little little flavor that he's doing all of his own stunts, including all of the old, the shooting and like the man can shoot. I don't know if you guys if you've seen the videos. Oh yeah, of him, dude. Ha, did you see the one they just? Re- the, the, I just saw surface of um, ha- Halle Berry doing it too. Uh uh-uh, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah I just saw it, I saw it this afternoon uh, ha- of ha- Halle Berry doing the same course and doing just as well. Huh. Yeah, I could talk on John Wick all day, but there would be no John Wick, and as great as John Wick as a protagonist, as he is a protagonist, as great as he is, to me there's always one action movie protagonist that'll be better than anyone else when he's actually trying, as he doesn't in the sequels, um, <laughs> and it's the greatest action movie, one of, if not the greatest action movie of all time, Josh, you know where I'm going with this, yeah. it is a Christmas movie. It is a Christmas movie. Die Hard. <laughs> oh, man. They're great. The, the first one, and honestly, I will say the second one as well. Oh, yeah. Is, I love the first two. pretty good. The first two are fantastic. I actually have a soft spot for the fourth one, too. Live Free or Die Hard. Is that the one where, he, where his kid has grown up? Yes, and he crashes a helicopter with a car. Yes. Okay. It's ridiculous, <laughs> but I still enjoy it. It's they're fantastic movies in general, and the art of a good action film is is built by the first one, the first this first Die Hard, and it all comes down to we said it with John Wick, but super simple premise of host of a, a Nakatomi Plaza gets taken over by terrorists, played by Alan Rickman in his first ever performance and one of his best ever as the great villain. Oh yeah, and a dude more or less has to. Save everybody. That's it. And that um, theme, I'll bring up again for another action movie later um, that I've wrote down. But Die Hard, the thing that sets Die Hard apart from a lot of other action movies of its time, and to me is the main reason more than any other any other that it has survived for as long as it has, is uh, Bruce Willis's John McClane is not a superhero. He's a normal no. dude. When he has to walk through the glass, you feel that. He's not indestructible. He's human. He's relatable. He's a dude that doesn't want to be at this party. He knows things aren't... He he obviously doesn't know that a terrorist organization is going to attack, but even before that, you can tell he doesn't want to be at this Christmas party. He doesn't like people. He doesn't want to be there. He's just a relatable person, and to me... Anytime you have a movie, you need to be able to relate to the characters, especially in an action movie that often gets overlooked because action movies are wish fulfillment. But John McClane... They really are. (laughs) You see yourselves as John McClane. He's a very relatable and human character, and that's something that uh, the most recent one, A Good Day to Die Hard, kind of forgot about, making him more or less a Terminator. But the first one is the classic because he's just human. Yeah. And I think that's the thing, too, is he does the entire movie basically barefoot. Yeah. And it's 
And that's the thing that they con- he he gets lucky, like really lucky all the entire movie. And you can kind of see it, it in John's face most of the time of just like, <laughs> wow, I got really lucky on that one. All right, cool. Let's go. <laughs> And it that's back in the day when Bruce Willis still cared and still tried. However, there's another Bruce Willis one um, that I'll talk about. Actually, I'll talk about it now. I was going to save it for later, but I'll talk about another Bruce Willis action series that I think often gets overlooked, but I personally really, really enjoy. And that's the Red series. Oh. I thought you were going to talk about the Hudson Hawk. <laughs> what? The Hudson Hawk. I don't even know what you're talking about, man. Oh my gosh, you don't know about the Hudson Hawk? <laughs> no. Okay, look, that's your homework, man. I can't believe there's a movie that I've seen that's like kind of mainstream that you haven't seen. Oh man. Um, no, it's it, it, just go look it up. It's 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 ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. But yes, the Red series, it's fantastic. I like the first one better than the second one because the second one, I feel Honestly. like they sacrificed. They had added more humor but took away some of the great action, whereas the first one has, like, Carl Urban as your main, not necessarily antagonist, but cop that's trying to catch them. Red stands for retired and extremely dangerous. You have some of the craziest people on Earth, played by Bruce Willis and John Malkovich, who I'm not sure if he's acting in this or not. (laughs) No, I don't think he is, man. I'm pretty sure he's just that nuts. (laughs) Yeah, he keeps a bazooka... In a stuffed pig. No. He lives no, no. in a boat. It's a... Under it's, a boat. It, he, he, he keeps... Uh, it's like a magnum. Like a like a huge pistol. In yeah. That because the, there's that lady stalking them at the airport. And he just like whips it out and shoots her. Old man. Oh, it's so good. Such a, I completely forgot about that series. Man. But yeah, to go see if I can find considering it. who all is involved with it, everyone seems to be having a t- the time of their lives with it. Bruce Willis seems to be having fun. John Malkovich seems to be having fun. Helen Mirren with a machine gun seems to be having fun with it. it, it in general, it's a fun movie to watch. Oh, yeah. And I'm you know I have a huge man crush on Carl Urban, which, again, I'm going to ride the Segway train all night because Carl Urban is next up in my all-time, one of my all-time favorite action movies, and by far one of the most underrated, you know where I'm going with this, Yep. Dread. Not to be confused with Sylvester Stallone's Dread, uh, Judge Dread. Yes, this one's actually good. Yes. Carl Urban as Judge Dread is surprisingly awesome. One of the best casting choices in any comic book movie ever made. Now, don't get me wrong, right? Like, this movie, like, and this is a theme we'll see throughout, you know, our discussion tonight or this in this episode of action movies. It's incredibly simple. Yeah, it's, I said earlier with the Die Hard premise of a movie I was going to talk about later, this is it. It's one dude, except this time he has a telepathic sidekick of, it's a small small group of people, one person or two people, Against a whole building of criminals. And it's great. It really is. And part of that is just getting to see Carl Urban be the just awesome, destructive force that we all know he actually is. Yeah. 
because of Dread, I really wanted Carl Urban to be Batman for a while there, and we didn't get it. So all you Game of Thrones people are complaining about how evil Cersei is for all these years, and I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, I don't see her as Cersei. I see her as Mama from Dread. Yeah. And she is evil. Like, a lot of times in action movies, um, you have your villain, like, over the top, so it's more heroic when the hero beats them. Mama is pure and simple evil. This woman is wicked in the best possible way, and she's enjoying every minute of it. Um, it utilizes some really interesting techniques that I really like. So normally, I don't like, like, slow motion. I think it's weird. How it's utilized in this film is really cool of... Uh, there's a drug called slow-mo that makes the world slow down for you. And they, um, Mama uses it as a torture device for people, like throws them over railings and they fall very, very slowly to their death. Or people like just take it just to experience the world very, very slowly. And the way they use um, slow-mo from a visual standpoint looks amazing in the film. I will say, however, some of the CGI isn't particularly good. Like some of the CGI blood squibs look atrocious. Oh, no. They're terrible. But you're not, it doesn't take you out of it. It's also one of the few movies that I've seen that's clearly 3D, but the 3D actually works for it. Yes. And it's, oh, it's just a fantastic movie. This is, it's how Dread should be, and I'm really disappointed we'll never get a sequel. No, and we won't, but that's okay, man. Like, Yeah, because Dread think, flopped, but it found new life. I saw it, it on Blu-ray when it came out later. It's, it's got that cult status. Yeah, and it always will. Um, I've labeled off a bunch in a row. So, uh, Josh, what what are some of your all-time favorite or some of the best action movies that you've seen? Um, Let's go with, and you're about, don't laugh at me. Because we both know I have a huge man crush on Jason Statham, but the man, yes, you do. but the man knows how to make an action movie. Like between Transporter, uh, Crank, uh, Blitz, just I could name off, name off movie after movie. Like Jason Statham movies are the pinnacle of action films. Super simple premise, easy to understand main character, and you're just you're behind him beating the crap out of the bad guys. Boom, done. Just Jason Statham in general. Yeah, Jason Statham in general. Um, let's see. Let's say I pull something out of my butt. Um, oh, um, I'm pretty sure this is a Wachowski movie. I, I'd have to go back and look, but it's called Nin, Ninja Assassin. Is that a Wachowski one? I'm almost certain. I'll uh, when you when you go to ramble off some more, I'll go. I'll, I'll you know do. We're gonna do this live. <laughs> I'll go Google it. Well, obviously. There's some big name ones. Die Hard is like the go-to for action movies. But if you want to think about stereotypical, this is an action movie. If ever there was an action movie, the Rambo movies. Oh, of course. I thoroughly enjoy most of the Rambo movies. I'm kind of on the fence about three. To me, I'm kind of up in the air of whether I like um, one or four the best. I actually really like the one from 2000, was it eight? Where yeah. Rambo's a little bit older. Oh, yes. No, I remember that one. I was actually, yeah, I really, I remember enjoying that one. 
I forget, yeah, when that came out, but I really enjoyed that one. As a series, I really enjoy Rambo. It. I remember watching them with my dad and being surprised when we saw the first one because, you know, you picture Rambo as the shirtless guy with the bandana that has just two machine guns that mows everybody down. I was amazed when I watched the first one that only one person dies and dies accidentally. Like, the first one is not what you at all associate with Rambo. Like how Friday the 13th is known for Jason with the hockey mask. Rambo as, like, the stereotypical macho man with the big guns and kills a whole bunch of people didn't come around to, like, the sequels. Yeah. Because the first one is very much a, this Vietnam vet has PTSD big time. Okay. Yeah, uh, real quick update. Um, Ninja Assassin is not a Wachowski movie. I don't know why I thought that. I'm I'm just stupid, I guess. Wait, no, it is. It's produced. It was produced by the Wachowskis. Oh, okay. So that makes sense. Anyway, we can move on with our lives. <laughs> but yeah, the first Rambo is much slower than I was anticipating. It's very much a PTSD type movie. Yeah, I I agree, and really, that's the direction that they needed to take it. And so, really, so far, Sylvester Stallone has been really good at knowing his characters that he plays well. And taking them in new, fresh directions, which is, you know what? That might be what he's doing with uh, with this new new Rambo movie, because there's another one coming out, isn't there? Yep. By the end of the year, where he takes on the Mexican cartel. Exactly. That's exactly where his character needs to go at this point. Hopefully to the grave. Mm, doubt it. Well, the rest of mine are more recent movies, but um, one of them does involve Sylvester Stallone, or couple movies involve Sylvester Stallone. Where am I going with this one, Josh? uh, Well, I mean, The Expendables, at least the first two, are fantastic. Yeah, I'm not as keen about the third one. I actually don't even really enjoy the first one that much. To me, it's the first one. No, it's the second one, I mean. The second Expendables is my favorite, purely and simply because Chuck Norris is in it. (laughs) <laughs> and he tells Chuck they, Norris jokes. They they and they acknowledge him in the best way too. Yes, he's like I got bitten by a rattlesnake after three days of agonizing pain. The snake died, <laughs> and well, he takes out like he's... a small army by himself, including a tank. It's it's incredibly fun to watch. It's the most Chuck Norris, and like they use him as the ultimate. So this is going to piss some people off, but it's such a fair comparison. The Expendables uses Chuck Norris like Endgame uses Captain Marvel. Exactly. He's but just the there to destroy because if they kept him in the whole time, he would be an unfair game breaker. It was, he's, he's the best. He, I wouldn't, I'm not going to say he's the best part of that movie, but he's a oh, great addition. He's a great addition. But also the first one, I felt like the first Expendables took itself way too seriously and like tried to be serious and this is a hardcore action movie. Where's the second one? Everyone busts out their signature phrases at least once or twice. Like, um, Arnold's like, I'll be back. And Bruce Willis is like, you've been back enough. I'll be back. And Arnold's yeah. like, yippee-ki-yay. Like, yeah. that type of stuff is great to me. The fan service in that. And I, they I didn't, agree. And the, the they one didn't skip thing out that on the I action would... either. 
Yeah, exactly. They, they never skipped. And I think the one thing I do enjoy about the third one is, and I, I, you're not going to be surprised in this, is uh, Mel Gibson's performance. I love him as a villain. Yeah, because he's kind of nuts in real life. Well, yes, but I love him as a villain. It just his de- demeanor, the way that he looks in general, fits for a fantastic action movie villain. Now, I don't think we'll ever get another Expendables, which makes me sad because I wanted two things from an Expendables movie that we'll never get. One, Jackie Chan. Maybe have a Jackie Chan Jet Li fight. I know we got that in Forbidden Kingdom, but... But we didn't really get one that in, in Forbidden Kingdom because of all the wire work. Anyway, I'm yeah. not bitter. But also, I wanted them to reveal that the person that trained all of them was Sean Connery. Yes. Either that or, or Liam Neeson. No, the sad thing is Liam Neeson is all about the same age as them, if not younger. That's true. So Sean Connery, yeah, I would have just been like, as a nice tip of the cap to Bond, would have been great. I uh, That would have been nice. And honestly, it would have been nice just to see Sean again. <laughs> yeah, because his last man, image now is League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. As his, exactly. The man deserves something. <sighs> Now, but um, speaking of Liam Neeson, oh, you going Taken? Oh, I'm so going Taken, and only taken the first one, one, and that's it. Yes, we. Um, I do not acknowledge those the other two. Um, two isn't but awful, but three one, is. No, yeah, exactly. But uh, so I the first one for uh, first of all, I don't think we'd ever seen at least I personally had ever seen Liam Neeson do an action film. Um no. I'd seen him do like some physicality in roles like Razo Ghoul like two years yeah, earlier but, in Batman Begins. But, but yeah, but like straight up like, action. He was more of a dramatic guy like um Rob Roy, Schindler's List. Um, exactly like he which I think is why Taken works. So much because he can't he because despite all the action, uh, Liam's acting his butt off in this movie. Yeah, and throat punching fools too. <laughs> yeah, with my daughter fool. Oh man, he's fantastic. He really is. He's he's the he's a, the Jason Bourne's dad. Which that's another great action series. See, okay, so I I considered that more of a like a spy thriller. Yeah, so that's I very true. Wanna, Those are more spy thrillers. Because you and I did have that discussion off air of what's considered just pure action and what's considered, you know, other genres. Because then technically we could consider Aliens 2 an action movie. Cause... I almost put Predator on the list. Oh, yeah. Predator is definitely on the list. I, I don't know. I think of that one. Maybe that's just my mindset. I think of it more as a horror movie. Now, Predators with Adrian Brody. That's an action yes. movie. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and technically speaking, we could be. Uh, tech, uh, most people will probably consider Mission Impossible. Those movies uh, uh, would spy movies. Would, yeah, yeah, exactly. But they're definitely more spy. Although, if you were like, "Hey, let's watch an action movie," and if somebody's like, "Hey, let's watch um, Mission Impossible," you know, that's still there. Oh yeah. Um, you got any others? Because I got two big ones that I'm going to take at home. Of one that everyone seems to love. And the one that not a lot of people love, but it's my favorite action movie. Um, the Lethal Weapon series. Oh, yeah. Is, 
and I don't care what people say. I love the last couple ones in there. Hmm? Uh, the, yes. The one with Jet Li and like the, I think the, there's a, there's another one that not nobody likes. The fourth uh, one? But, yes. I enjoy the, sh- I just enjoy the crap out of these movies. And it, mainly that's, and it's mainly because Mel Gibson and Danny Glover's chemistry is so entertaining. Yeah, they're they're more or less the template for every buddy cop movie, like Tango and Cash later, which I have a soft spot for. Yeah, I mean, but like Lethal Weapon, like, I don't know why, man. Like, it's to me that you have this crazy dude who has no real direction in life and you have this, you know, old vet who he's kind of done and he has he's done everything. He's too he's, old for this. Yes, he is. Have you seen um, Maverick? No. Okay, so real quick, and I only bring Maverick up whenever I talk to talk about Lethal Weapon. And the reason for that is, it's a it's another movie that stars Mel Gibson, and he's like he's a card poker player, and it takes place in the old west, right? So there's a sp- specific scene where. Uh, Maverick is getting money from a bank to go to a card game and the bank gets held up and this really tall black dude walks in. He's asking everybody for money, blah, blah, blah. Oh, and isn't it Danny Glover? And it turns out to be Danny Glover. The, the, the robbery goes South. Danny hits his typical line. I'm getting too old for this. And there's a moment when they, when he goes to run, when Mel Gibson and and Danny Glover make eye contact and they both like tilt their head and go, I feel like I know you from somewhere. And then something happens and they have to to like run away. It's so great. That is fantastic. (sighs) Maverick is a good movie to, to watch. It's not an action movie, but. I'd recommend it to people. You got any others? Because I have one that I feel like might be on your list as well. Um, I'm trying to think because we we've definitely narrowed narrowed down the list quite a bit, so that definitely helps. Your um, Mel Gibson is actually a perfect segue too, because while he may not be in this one in particular, but Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, absolutely. That one I feel like revitalized the action genre. It really did, and it, it made like post-apocalyptic actually feel fresh, which is weird. Which is hard to do because it feels like at times nowadays we get too much post-apocalyptic, and it's hard to make that feel new and exciting. But Fury Road absolutely did it. It really did, and um, I don't know. <laughs> this is going to sound like such a movie snob, but. I don't know if you've seen like the director's cut or whatever, but there's some few extra scenes in there that helped it help make it that big, much bigger of a movie for me. Cause when I saw it in theaters, the originally my one complaint was I didn't feel like we got enough of Mad Max doing his, his thing. Mm. And in the, in the director's cut, they, they show more him doing more stuff. Hmm. Interesting. Which is weird. You know, that, you can tell you can be like Josh. Have you seen this very popular movie that's you know widely you know recognized as as a mainstream movie? No, Shazam, Josh. Yeah, have you seen the have you seen the director's cut of, of Mad Max Fury Road? Yeah, ask me why. No clue. I don't know why. Because Fury Road is great. <laughs> it is, but I I don't know how I got a hold of a copy to watch the director's the director's cut. No idea. 
Uh, you got any others? No, man, that, that, that kind of wraps it up. But given right. that, given that we've narrowed the, the category so much. I've got one more that I saved for last because this one okay. I've had to defend it a couple of times, but this to me is one of, if not my all-time favorite action movie. It's not the best by any means, but it's the one I always get the most enjoyment out of, and I feel like it gets hated on for unfair reasons, and it absolutely deserved a sequel, but we'll never get it. Liam Neeson's A-Team. Oh, A-Team. A-Team, yes. With Bradley Cooper's face, Charlotte O'Copley as Murdoch in the best casting ever, and Rampage Jackson as B.A. Baracus. Oh, and it's so good. I always watch the extended cut because there's like an extra 20 or 30 minutes, and it's it's just great. The action is so on point. It feels like the original show, but what I like more than anything is the chemistry is so spot on of Liam Neeson, great as uh, fate, not face, as, oh, what is his name? I'm blanking on his name. Hannibal. Liam Neeson, spot on as Hannibal. Charlotte Copley as Murdoch. Pitch perfect. When he's on the helicopter, you spin me right, right. That was the moment I was like, I'm going to love this movie. Um, oh, yeah, Bradley absolutely. Cooper, perfect as face. B.A. Baracus, who did not have that much exp- acting experience, played by um, Rampage Jackson, was great. Didn't try to be Mr. T, but was still embodied the essence of the character. And then the one everyone always forgets about, Patrick Wilson was in it. Before he was Orm, before Insidious, before Conjuring, he was Lynch. Yeah. And he was great. He was slimy, but had personality. He was, oh, he was great. I so thoroughly enjoy A-Team. Not nearly enough people have seen it. I get so much of a kick out of A-Team. Oh, dude. And the, the way they always have to have to knock Rampage Jackson out. Before before they go flying or do something stupid, it's the best. Who made this special top and nod? I didn't knock was you that? out. That was that was Hannibal and Face. It was just great. Of it's really entertaining, and Bradley Cooper's actually really good in it as well. All everyone's cast so perfectly. Jessica Biel is perfect as uh, Face's love interest character. Um. I love the opening with the helicopter chase. Yep. And then Alpha, Mike, Foxtrot, Adios, Mother, and then the missiles come in after they've gone cold, and you're like, oh, yes. It's it's a super cool movie. I think my favorite, I always die laughing, is when they first take off with the helicopter, and he drops the air conditioning unit on B.A.'s van. Yes. And he's like... You crush my van. I'm going to kill you, fool. You can't park there. That's a handicap zone. <laughs> oh, man. And then Murdoch is, like, trying to jumpstart an ambulance with a defibrillator. It's- oh, man. And the fact that they have to break him out of a mental, mental institution is... And he stitches up B.A.'s oh, arm with a lightning bolt. Yep. Oh, man. It's not nearly enough people talk about this movie anymore. And I know it flopped theatrically. I love A-Team so much. It makes me laugh every time. There's some great action involved with it. There's chemistry between all the actors that just 
flows and makes the movie that much better. I'm disappointed we'll never get a sequel because A-Team is one of my all-time favorite action movies, and I'll die on my hill for that movie. I love it. Yep, absolutely. Well, what are some of your guys' favorite action movies? Let us know in the comments below. We always love hearing from you guys. And as always, if you like what you hear and you want to hear more, subscribe to us on whatever audio platform you hear us on, whether that be Google Podcasts, iTunes, or now. We are also now available on Spotify. Woohoo! So, so be sure to su- listen to us happened. there as well. And as always, be sure to subscribe to us on the main YouTube channel at Uncharted Media. And as always, stay sharp, movie guys and gals.